Hi, I'm Sam Chan, and you're listening to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It's my desire to help others succeed. I'm here to help you and your organization grow, grow to the next level. Thank you for joining me on this leadership journey. Let's get started. If you take somebody down a mental pathway two, three, four times, we get stuck. And it is, okay, let, let me break it down for you. Uh, so if you go shopping to a mall, your regular mall that in your home area, do you not pretty much park in about the same area? Uh, let me go give you a better example. When you go to church, do you not have your own territory? I mean, we are a friendly church, and we want visitors to come as long as they don't sit in our seat. Because we all have a territory. I mean, uh, I've been in church all my life, and I've seen people lose their religion over somebody else sitting in their seat. Mm-hmm. You've seen that too. So, so I'm here to say to you that we are stuck. Uh, I get to travel different parts of the world, and uh, praise the Lord for that. Uh, and, you know, people say, well, God, uh, you know, we are doing this thing new and that thing new. I'm here to tell you, ain't nobody doing anything new. Because there's nothing new to do. Well, you know, instead of suit and tie, we have skinny jeans. And that's not new. It's like, well, there's nothing. Okay, think about, think about uh, Sunday, Sunday. You can go to any church Sunday. You can go to any church Sunday. Uh, you can go to a Methodist church, Presbyterian church, Lutheran church, Anglican church. Full gospel church, half gospel church, whatever kind of, yeah, anybody who's not us is half gospel. We know that. So uh, any kind of church you go to Sunday morning, this is what's going to happen. It's going to start with some kind of uh, praise and worship, singing, processional, choir, something like that. After that, there'll be some kind of prayer, humming, chanting, moment of silence, Depends on where you go. After that, there'll be some kind of announcements. Total waste of time. Just If you cut that out, nobody will miss it, except the people whose announcements you didn't make. <clears throat> yeah, they're the ones who are going to be mad. I, I mean, you, 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 you think about announcements. You can sing about them, dance about them, PowerPoint them, e-blast them, text them, Facebook them. They're still going to call and say, was that 7 or 7.30? <laughs> no, nobody, nobody's listening. Nobody. Only when pe- people are listening is when it is their announcement. And so, so that is, so that's number three. <clears throat> After that, we'll have some kind of offering when we shake people down. So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know, when people walk in, you shake them in. During the sermon, you shake them up. During the offering, you shake them down. After the sermon, you shake them out. So there's, there's a whole lot of sh- shaking going on. And, and, and so you, you know, so, so we have some kind of an offering. Number five will be there'll be some kind of a sermon, message, teaching, homily, talk, speech, something like that. And number six, we're going to go home. Doesn't matter where you go. Now, now, you know, so some people have moved the offering from in the front part of the service to the end of the service. And that is simply because when you receive the offering, the front part ain't nobody there. So it's a logistical thing. You say, oh, I can wait. <laughs> and so, you know, you put, but, but that's just like moving the furniture around in your living room and saying, we got a new living room. <laughs> so what does it mean when the scripture said to us, behold, I do a new thing? What does that really mean? 
I think it means how do we view and do what we do in the lens of where we are in moments of history. This is 2018. You know, I was working with a, I was working with a friend of mine. Well, I think he's still my friend. Uh, I was working with a friend of mine, and uh, I said to him, if the 70s ever came back, you'd be cutting edge. So why should people walk into our churches and feel like it's a time capsule? So let me see if you can tell me what this is. All right. This is North America. And this is South America. I'm very, very concerned about your geographical knowledge. And since I have to tell you everything now, this is the Panama Canal. Anybody in here been to the Panama Canal? All right, so three, four of you, very good. So I was standing there a few years ago, got there at at a conference and got there in the morning, had nothing to do that evening, till that evening, I'd never been there. So they asked me, you want to do anything? Yeah, take me to the Panama Canal. So I went to the Panama Canal. As I'm standing over here, I noticed that they are expanding the canal. They are widening the canal. Can somebody tell me why they are widening the canal? Bigger ships? Faster ships? So when they built this canal in 1913, originally, they built it for the biggest, widest, fastest ships. And you know, the engineers added yardage to it on both sides. If you've never been to the Panama Canal, this is crazy. Those big tankers come within two feet of the wall. I mean, it is just incredible. But when they built the canal, they built it for the biggest, fastest ships. But now, cities float. Thousands of people on those ships and uh, containers that come from Japan and from Taiwan, uh, you know, coming to the United States to to Savannah uh, and up the East Coast. And so they had to widen the canal simply because there are bigger, faster ships. Our challenge is God has given us bigger, faster vision. How many of you believe that the vision 2018 is bigger than what was in 2016? I have a second question for you. How many believe that if the Lord tarries, 2019 vision will be bigger than 2018? So here we are, got bigger, faster ships, but we are stuck with the old canal. So I want to give you a sentence to write down. Then I'm going to just unpack that for the next two sessions. So in case you're wondering how this is going to flow, there's a clock in the back. And I will lay this baby down about 940, 940, 9.45, 9.50, somewhere in between there. So we can go to uh, different workshops. So good to see you, Gerald. Uh, Pastor Gerald Brooks has been a long, long, long time friend of mine. And Pastor Carl Smith from Oakland, California. So he's from the West Coast. And uh, Pastor John Wagner has been a dear friend over years and years. And uh, But, you know... Enough about him, but 
How did his wife do last night? Pastor Elena. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, the gifts, the gifts. I, I said to her after it's over, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go till about 9.45, 9.50. I'll stop somewhere in the middle. I don't have to do an altar call. I don't have to do what Dale had to do last night, like start you in Genesis, take you to Revelation. I won't do any of that thing. So it's just, I don't have to give you an altar call. Nobody's going to fall out in my services. So, uh, and then we're going to come back after the workshops are over. And I'll pick it up at 11 o'clock and finish it then. Here's the sentence. Here's the sentence. Your size and your speed. Your size and your speed are controlled by your systems and structures. Your size and your speed are controlled by your systems and structures. Let me say that again. Your size and your speed are controlled by your what? Systems and structures. Uh, let's, let's, let me draw something else and see if you all will do better on this one. Can someone tell me what that is? Ah, very good. Finally. Trained. And a train runs on what? Tracks. I got a question for you. Can you run a bigger, faster train on old tracks? If you were to run a bigger, faster train on old tracks, what will happen to the train? It will derail. If the train is built to go 200 miles an hour and the tracks are built for 100 miles an hour, how fast is the train going to go? So you see, you can have the biggest vision. You can come to a conference like this and leave from here all pumped. And you can jump, shout, carry on at the conference. But when you get back home, it's not going to be about the shiny train. It's going to be your tracks, your systems and your structures. So nothing wrong with the train. Nothing wrong with the speed of the train. So God gives us greater visions, gives us bigger, faster trains, but we are stuck with the old way of doing things. We are stuck with the tracks. So we get in our pulpits and we talk about vision. But vision's got to have what to run on? Tracks to run on. So look at that sentence I gave you again. Your size and your speed are controlled by your systems and structures. Okay. Amazon. This has been Amazon's week. If you're prime, you know what it is. So somebody tell me, where does Amazon grow its bananas? And that's the question. Because they don't. They don't have any factories. They don't have any farms. All they do is create systems and structures. Uh, think about Uber. Uber is just a glorified taxi service. So what they did was to take a 
concept of the taxi. Now you don't have to carry ca cash or card. Somebody is there you know, with a clean car. Within two minutes or less, you're in it. They drop you off. Bam. You're done. Airbnb, how many properties do they own? None. See, the world we're living in is not trying to talk about this. The world we are living in is recreating systems and structures. So think about your church for a moment. Uh, I, I want to be crossover because there are some business people in this room as well, as well as church leadership. The way we have done business, the way we have done church is basically add on. Okay. I used to, I used to pastor a church in Michigan, uh, a country church. Let me describe country for you. Uh, this was in the early eighties. Uh, the closest blinking light to us was three and a half miles. The closest McDonald's was 18 miles. My closest neighbor was a quarter of a mile. So in the country, you see those houses that at one time were nice and square. But then you had your first baby, you added a room. Mother-in-law moved in, you added another room. You wanted a workshop, you added another room. And now, nothing works. You're taking a shower here. Somebody flushes the toilet there. They are screaming. <laughs> There's a bedroom here to get to your place. You got to go through somebody's bedroom to get there. You're freezing here, burning up here. Nothing works. But this is how churches grow. At one time, you had a clear vision of what you wanted to do, where you wanted to go. But then somebody came from another church and said, you know, at our other church, we used to have a youth choir. And because you are so desperate to keep everybody, you start a what? Youth choir. You know, at our other church, we used to have a women's whatever. So we start a women's whatever. I mean, don't you hate it when people come to your church but keep talking about where they came from? I mean, the first, the first few times they say it, you know, you kind of humor them and go, <laughs> hey, listen, that's an art. You need to learn to how to, when in doubt, <laughs> let's do that right now. One, one, two, three. That's it. That's it. And I know you're thinking, you're so stupid. Which side should I slap you first? Yeah, yeah. Don't talk about them hypocrites. We all that. And so we just keep adding on. And now your best resources are going here when they should be over here. Because our systems and structures evolve. I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Okay, how many of you are senior pastors? Can I see your hands? Okay, put your hands down. How many of you are on some kind of executive leadership in your church? Can I see your hands? 
Okay. How many of you are business owners and uh, executive directors and so forth? Okay, I see your hands. Good. Question for you. It's a rhetorical question, but I think you got to struggle with this question. And the question is, knowing what you know now, with the wisdom you have now, with the experience you have now, knowing what you know now, if you could totally restructure your church, what would that look like? First of all, it looks like a lot of people leaving. But you see, you got to be willing to get worse before you get better. But you know what we do? We tweak stuff. You cannot tweak a canal. You cannot tweak the tracks. In your business, whatever sphere of work you're in, knowing what you know now, how would you redo if you were to start all over again? Now, everybody fantasizes about it, but not everybody does. Because all you see is blood on the floor. <laughs> Your blood and their blood. Hopefully more of theirs than yours. So every organization goes through five stages. Let me give them all five to you and talk about them briefly. First one is entrepreneurial. Entre spell it any way you want to. <laughs> Let me assure you, your neighbor doesn't know either. There's a lot of E's and U's and so on and so forth. Entrepreneurial. Number two is emerging. Number three is established. Number four is erosion, E-R-O-S-I-O-N. And number five is enterprising, enterprising. Enterprising. Let me unpack each one of them for you. Entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial is when you just have a thought. You don't have a building, you don't have a phone number, you don't have a website, you don't have people, you have no money. It is simply a thought. Everything began with a thought. This building at one time was not here. It began with a thought. This table began with a thought. This water in this bottle, basically tap water in a bottle, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, <laughs> uh, began, began with a th Everything began, began with a thought. It was entrepreneurial. And then things start emerging. People start gravitating towards your vision. Money starts coming in. You may have a location. Now you've got 12 people meeting in a garage somewhere. Things start emerging. You know, somebody says, hey, I want to support you. How do I give the money? And you still don't have a nonprofit. You just say, hey, just, just make it out to me. I mean, that, that's how it all starts, right? Okay. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. And then you get established. Now you got a location, you got a ministry name, you got a 501c3 or an LLC, LLP, I'm whatever, however you're organized. Now you're, now you're established. You have a building, you have got money coming in, you're providing services, you provide, you're making deliveries to, to people. But right after number three comes what? Erosion. This happens in every walk of life. Uh, think of a shopping mall in your area, wherever you live. 
Can you think of one, a shopping area that one time was popping, but now nobody goes there? Uh, neighborhoods used to drive by and say, oh my, I want to live there. But now you're glad you didn't? Churches that at one time were like, wow, every time you turn around, you heard about them? Not so much anymore. Marriages go through that. You know, one time it was just an idea. Hmm, she hot. That's the only reason you marry. Have you ever had anybody say, I like her prayer life. She don't marry people for, she knows the word. No, it's all about body parts. So, Pastor John, I just got another session, then I'm out of here. I'm an Indian, what do I know? So your marriage starts an idea. Things start emerging. You get married. Now you sit in a restaurant with nothing to say to each other. I mean, you can, you can tell in a restaurant which couple is married, which is not. The one that is not married is talking. The one that is married are on their phones. Am I making this up? And then you get established. However, if you're not careful, erosion is here. But I got good news for you. You don't have to go through erosion. This is like a Christian. Looks good, doesn't do nothing. Here we go. I found somebody who just walked into church. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, don't distract me, you all. Don't distract me. I heard what you were saying. If you're willing to build a bridge over erosion and go to what? Enterprising. Enterprising is not creating a new product. It's not creating a new service. It's how you rethink. Uber is nothing entrepreneurial about it. It is what? Enterprising. Airbnb, enterprising. Amazon, enterprising. Enterprising is you have a service, you have a product, but you start thinking about how do I deliver this in a better way. Think about this. Let me get my phone. All right, so what do I have in my hand? An iPhone. But you know, phone is the least I use it for. Your life is on here. Okay, anybody here ever lost a phone? Mm -hmm. So this is all enterprised. The only time that this was entrepreneurial is when Mr. Graham Bell made his first phone call. After that, you know, on here are your contacts, on here is your Facebook, on here are your, is your calendar, from here you text and tweet. Yeah, I mean, everything is on here. Phone is one of the least things that you do. Enterprising. So how is it that we can serve, not where the church is, but where the church is going, if we're still 
dealing with old tracks and narrower. So just as a side item with implications to it, when you go through the canal, and an average ship pays $1 million as toll to go through. And they had the capacity to put 48 ships every day through the canal. I got to tell you this, this side item just blew me away. So the Panamanian government read my book on Panama. I'm going to try to sell it to you after this is over. Uh, <laughs> You can buy it here, you can buy it at my 7-Eleven, you can buy it at my gas station, wherever you want to buy it, but I'm going to try to sell you a book. So they read the book, and so they invited me, uh, first part of me, to come and speak to uh, three groups, the government officials, and the next group was their academia people, from universities, and the third group was the most interesting, which was the people who actually run and manage the canal. They're known as the Panama Canal Authority. So when I was the Panama, at the, doing the Panama Canal Authority, uh, during question and answer, because they told me there are many books written on the Panama Canal, but nobody's done leadership out of that. So one of the ladies who's over their marketing department says, we are trying to market the canal. I said, stop, stop, stop. You are the Panama Canal. You have a marketing department? Yeah, we have a marketing department. Because, she says, right now, the average ship, depending on the size, pays a million dollars to go through. But it's the size of the ship that generates more revenue. We're looking for bigger ships so we can start charging two million. If the Panama Canal needs a marketing emphasis, what are the implications for us? Nowhere in the scriptures I say that he's going to send them to you. It's always about going and getting them. However, if the same ship was to go around South America, it cost them $5 million. So most of us are trying to do church, going around, and everything becomes heavier lifting. You got to keep more people happy. <laughs> you, you, you gave somebody a class with 35 people. They've grown it down to three. Okay, watch me, watch me, watch me. Let me break it down for you. Watch me, watch me. I'm on a horse. 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 If the horse dies under me, what do you want me to do? Get off the horse. You know what we do in church? Horse is dead. In Jesus' name. Come on, come on. Jesus' name. Listen, Jesus left that a long time ago. <laughs> so my question for you is, what 
is on life support at your church. You know what it is. Listen, can I tell you, you don't need a consultant to tell you what is dying. Everybody knows what's dying. The smell of death is in that department. But we know if we pull the plug on that, she's going to be mad. Her husband's going to be mad. Her son is the youth director. He's going to be mad. And when church folk get mad, what do they do? And so I want you to think about it this way. It's not a matter of what you're willing to lose. You've got to figure out who you're willing to lose. Till you are willing to come to a conclusion who you're willing to lose, you are that person's hostage. And most of us in this room do not make the decisions we need to make because we are scared they're going to leave. The best thing you can do for you, them is to let them go. Uh, when, when, when I was pastoring in church, you know, I, I messed up. Uh, I, I love Gerald Brooks. Did you bring that book about how you messed up? Yeah. Great book. I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll just, because he, he learned lessons. So, so, what is the name of the town that you were? Sweetwater. Uh, and I made mistakes, 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 mistakes when I was pastoring. The worst mistake I ever made was talk somebody into staying who's planning on leaving. But I'm a quick learner. I learned something. I learned something. After that, Danny comes to me and says, uh, you know how church folk do. Uh, the Lord is leading me. My season is over. God told me. So Danny comes to me and say, says, Pastor, can we sit down and talk? The Lord is whatever, whatever, whatever. I said, no, we don't need to sit down. Lord, you brought Danny into this house. And now you are taking him out. <laughs> so glad that Danny is obedient to you. <laughs> He's been a blessing and I know wherever you are taking him. He's going to be a blessing. Now, Danny came expecting me to do what? Grovel, beg, talk him into staying. I need you. You are so good. You're so gifted. No, no, no. We will add another room. Two rooms? We'll add two more rooms to it. <laughs> you don't want to tithe 10%? How's 5% for you? So he came expecting me to beg him to stay. So I have this thing I call bless and release. If I was to ever pastor a church again, heaven forbid. I just don't have that grace in my life. So yeah, there'd be nobody in my church. Uh, yeah, the Lord delivered me, set me free. Let me go early for good behavior. So some of you are going to do life. So I had this fantasy, I had this fantasy. Twice a year, I, have an altar, I would have an altar call Sunday morning for those who want to leave the church. <laughs> call everybody to the front who wants to leave the church, bless and release them, and say to everybody, 
you can leave now and everybody else claps for them. Because unless you can be free of the pressures of keeping peace. See, the church is called to play to win. But when the church starts playing not to lose, we're not called to play defense. And so as long as somebody's holding you hostage, you're not going to make the tough calls. And the toughest calls you're ever going to make are going to be people calls. Toughest call is not money, it's not building, it's about people. Those are going to be your toughest calls. And if you, are, if you are a senior leader, let me just say this to you. If you think that your decision about that person is going to be understood by everybody, you're totally mistaken. Because the sympathy factor is always for that person. And they can leave and say whatever they want to on Facebook, but you can't respond. So if you are sitting here and saying, this makes logical sense for me to transition them, release them, fire them, whatever you're going to do, and that people are going to get it. No, it's not. However, everybody knows who's got to go. Everybody knows who's got to go. I mean, if you were given a total leeway of going to your job, your work, whatever it is, Monday and fire anybody, you know now who's got to go. But you know what we do in church? We move cancer around. Now, oh, we're good at that. I mean, church is the best place for that. So he doesn't work out in the parking lot. We put him in the soundboard. He doesn't work on the soundboard. <laughs> we send him to the men's ministry. Doesn't work on the men's ministry. By the time the fourth department sees him coming, they're saying, what did we do wrong? <laughs> Why are we being punished like this? Okay. If you go to the doctor this afternoon, if you go to the doctor this afternoon, and the doctor says, you got cancer. You got cancer on your left shoulder. However, it's early detection. I can take it all out surgically. You will not need chemo. You will not need radiation. Nothing. You will not need any of that. I can remove it all. I have an opening two days from now. Somebody died. That's why you get an opening. <laughs> it's not like, praise the Lord. I got an opening. You know, that very, no, somebody left. So he says to you, I, I, I can, I can uh, do the surgery for you two days from now or the next opening I have is in December. Which opening you want to take? The after tomorrow. And why will you do that? Because if you left the cancer, what's going to do? You know what we do in church? Oh, this is not a good time, you know. It's never a good time. Some of you, if you, the only thing you get out of this conference is, 
Whoever came to your mind right now, the cancer, the two-legged cancer, whoever came to your mind right now, all of you have got somebody in your mind right now. All of you. Don't look at me like you're listening to me. No, your mind is somewhere there. I'm trying my best, brother. So maybe the best thing you can do is start putting an exit strategy on somebody while you are here. And get a couple of prayer partners saying, I'm going back and I got to deal with cancer. And you are trying to figure out how much money you're going to lose. Bottom line. You're going to be fine. Have you, have you not noticed that when your major donor leaves? And you're wondering where that money is going to come from? The very next Sunday your offering goes up. But this is what I've also learned. That only happens... Only for one Sunday. <laughs> After that, it's like, hmm, back again. So I know, I've got three more minutes here. I know some of you are sitting here saying, but you ain't giving us no Bible. I want some Bible. Bible. I know you, the spiritual, religious people. Give me Bible. Let me give you Bible. So God created human beings on day six. Sixth day, he created Adam and Eve. Well, what did he do for the first five days? He created the sun and the stars, moon, day, night, fresh water, salt water, fish, steak, <laughs> broccoli, God created all of that. First five days, all God did was create systems and structures so that life could be sustained. Jesus, Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 10, the first thing he does before he starts healing the sick, raising the dead, feeding the multitudes, the first thing he does is creates systems and Structures. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14. Chapter 12 is about the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 13 is the attitude in which gifts are to be done. Chapter 14 are the systems and structures. Only two or three of you. If there's nobody interpreting, don't be giving no message in tongues. Systems and structures. And then he finishes chapter 14, verse 40, by saying that everything be done with what? Decency and in order. Systems and... The Bible is full. I mean, you know what we are, the books of the Bible that we read for devotions like Deuteronomy, Numbers. They're all about what? Systems and structures. So when we come back from... Your workshops, you got some great, I looked at the schedule, you got some great workshops lined up for you. When you come back from your workshops, I'm just going to pick it up somewhere in the middle over there. All good? You can get your notes out. I want to make sure that you got the right sentence that we've been talking about uh, in the first session and now the sequel. The sequel is never as good as the first one. Anyways, so uh, the sentences, your size and your, are controlled by your, Systems and structure. 
and the Panama Canal being widened because there are what? Bigger, faster ships. And you cannot run a, a shinier, bigger, faster train on old tracks. And we are where we are because we just keep adding on. Uh, we don't know, churches don't know how to eliminate. I should stop right there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so just, uh, we just keep adding on, adding on, adding on. I go to church and say, and they tell me that we've got 377 ministries. You know, they're all dead. There's no church with that kind of bandwidth. Just no way to do that kind of bandwidth. And, and you know, I, I encourage you to go home and kill a few uh, things there. Uh, and then... We talked about the five entrepreneurial, emerging, established, erosion, and enterprise. One of the things that uh, is a misnomer, and I want to settle an issue here, is that people think that there'll be a time when they can get to a certain level, and they will not have to deal with what you're dealing today. So let me encourage you by saying that will never happen. And I want to give you a sentence just for you to think about. And here's a sentence. Numbers change, but issues remain the same. Numbers change, but issues remain the same. My largest church client is in Manila. Got a half a million people in the, in the seats on an average weekend. Got 62 locations around Manila. I'm having dinner with him. His questions were no different than somebody with 100. Your issues, people issues, money issues, facilities issues. H, I mean, it just goes on and on. Volunteer issues, people coming and going issues. You know why people come to church? They come to leave. So, <laughs> so if you're spending all your time trying to keep people, you're spending it on the wrong you know, people say, well, I'm going to close the back door. You don't have a back door. You have revolving doors everywhere. People come to leave. So, I mean, all of you pastors left somewhere. Some of you left well, some of you didn't. But you left somewhere. So your numbers will change. You may have more people, more money, more facilities, more square footage, but your issues are going to remain the same. It's much better to learn those issues now than down the road. So what I want to do in this session is I always like to set expectations as to, so this will end about 11.45, 11.50, somewhere in there. I'm going to talk a little bit, teach a little bit, and uh, get on the practical side of things, then... A little while into it, I'm going to see if you have any takeaways. If you were to stop right now, what will be your one-sentence takeaway? And I'll want you to just say it out loud, and then I'm going to come back and conclude with a, conclude it with a few things. <laughs>